Coming up on today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast, we are joined by Taylor Jenkins of Pewter Report as we continue to go through the world of Bucks media and catch up on all things Buccaneers this offseason. But first, could the Buccaneers potentially be interested in former Jaguars running back Leonard Fournette? You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome back to the Lockdown Bucks podcast. I'm James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at Lockdown Bucks, at JayYarko underscore Bucks, at DHarrison82, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Your Tampa Bay Buccaneers lead story is that fellow Florida team, the Jacksonville Jaguars, have placed running back Leonard Fournette on waivers. When the subject of Leonard Fournette was brought up to Buccaneers head coach Bruce Arians, he said, quote, we'll wait and see. He's been a good player. We'll just have to wait and see where he fits. Now, David, I find this to be incredibly interesting because this is a team that just went out and signed LaShawn McCoy to be kind of that complimentary piece, that pass catching back you know, to go along with Ronald Jones, they drafted Keyshawn Vaughn uh, in the third round. And now when the topic of placing a waiver claim on Leonard Fournette is brought up, it's not dismissed. It's not, no, we like our guys. It's a firm, we'll just have to wait and see where he fits. It seems like Bruce Arians is real interested in the idea of bringing Leonard Fournette onto this football team a mere 12 days before they are set to take on the New Orleans Saints. Mm-hmm. Interesting things happening around the National Football League as we get closer and closer to the regular season. And uh, listen, I, I, for one, do not want Leonard Fournette on the Buccaneers roster. I'm not a fan of Leonard Fournette, not as a person, as a running back, honestly. And, and James, I mean, we've been doing this long enough. You can go back to that year that he and Christian McCaffrey were the top two running backs coming out in the Mm -hmm. NFL draft. I absolutely did not buy the hype on Leonard Fournette. And, you know, for the most part, he's he's proven me right and everybody who else else who doubted him in Jacksonville. Now, give give Leonard Fournette a little bit of uh, credit. Give him some leeway, some wiggle room, I guess. Jacksonville has been a legitimate dumpster fire for, I would probably venture to say, the entirety of Fournette's career. And I understand they made that deep playoff run you know, the one year with Saxonville and all that stuff. But even that, I mean, to me, that probably seems more like the outlier than than the norm uh, around Jacksonville. That that franchise, there, it doesn't seem like there's many other franchises uh, in the league that are as dysfunctional as that one is, although there's definitely one specific one uh, near me, near where I live now today, that I can think of that is, is probably <laughs> more dysfunctional. So they're not, you know, they're not, they're not running away with that lead uh, anytime soon. But still, I mean, Jacksonville's just been a mess. So, I mean, you know, being fair, give Leonard a little bit of credit. Uh, the dude does have talent. I just, I never thought it would really translate uh, to the National Football League. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Never underestimate a guy who's got a chip on his shoulder. And this could be an opportunity. I mean, we talk about Buccaneers players who go to other teams and ball out. Uh, and I mentioned here before that a lot of that is the chip that being released or, you know, unwanted by your original team puts on your shoulder. This is the opportunity potentially for the Buccaneers to go get a player who's got a chip on his shoulder and could come into this franchise and, and play a role. I mean, you got Rojo 
you add Leonard Fournette, you have Shady McCoy. If Keyshawn Vaughn's struggles are, are as legit as they seem to be, I mean, it's an intriguing idea. But James, Leonard Fournette has 666 career carries right now. Uh, that's, I saw that on Twitter. I did not vet it. So if I'm wrong, by all means, let me know, whatever. Um, I saw something on Twitter, on Twitter, send that tweet out that he has 666 carries with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious. stitious. (laughs) (laughs) And with all this mojo, we got working around the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right now, even with COVID going on, you got Tom Brady center stage on the NFLs, you know, get ready for the season picture. You got all this other stuff going on. Don't invite a running back with 666 career runs or carries onto your roster right now. That's 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 the 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 the, the end of my conversation, uh, which of course I'm going to end it with the least reasonable part of the conversation. But those are just my thoughts on Leonard Fournette. Does it change your thoughts if I told you he had exactly 800 career touches? No, because he's a running back first and carries. Like you're you're bringing him in to carry the ball. If he can catch the ball. That's a bonus, but the real reason you're bringing... See, that's, what the, that, that's a trick the devil plays to make you not realize what's going on, James. That's what, that's what that is. Don't you, look, don't, you, don't you put that voodoo on me. Look, I like the idea. If the Bucks place a waiver claim on Leonard Fournette and they bring him in, I like it. I like the fit. I like the idea that Leonard Fournette would not have to be the guy. He would be a situational package specific running back to give Ronald Jones a breather, be that inside the 10 yard line kind of guy, that third and short kind of guy that can use his muscle, use his power, move the sticks, get into the end zone, whatever the case may be. He's that change of pace. You, you hit him with the speed and the finesse of Ronald Jones. Then you hit him with the power of Fournette. Now the pressure's off Leonard Fournette to be the one to, pardon the pun, carry the load for an offense. I mean, you take a look, as as much flack as Leonard Fournette may get as a potential bust, in two of his three seasons, he has over 1,000 yards rushing, and he has yet to play a full season in the NFL. He played 13 games his rookie year, finished with over 1,000 yards, eight games in his second year, only 439 yards. That was a huge fall off. But then last season, for a terrible Jacksonville team, played 15 games, had over 1,100 yards. If the Bucks bring him in, I like the idea of doing it. You package him with Rojo. He's your change of pace, your change of strength guy, and can do some real damage not having to be the one that the running game you know, solely revolves around, but that's a fair sentiment. I will say, I thank you. I, I appreciate you putting aside your Fournette hatred bias to agree that I'm right as I usually am. I think hatred is a strong way to word that. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not at hatred levels. You said it, not me. I'm just <laughs> reiterating what you said earlier in the segment. And you know what? If you take those stats. And you put them in, I don't know, like a Buffalo Bills uniform or something like take them away from the Jacksonville Jaguars. And maybe that looks a lot, you know, a lot better of a situation to get involved with. Um, And I don't even like for anybody who's like, well, he's got a bad attitude. I don't honestly even, you know, hold that against them either. Because, I mean, he was in Jacksonville as dysfunctional as that organization (laughs) is. You can't really blame the guy for getting a bad attitude eventually. Um, 
uh, yeah, ev- all the everybody players on that team forced their way out of that team. Honestly, he's kind of done it. I don't say the quietest, but he's he's actually done it fair. I mean, we've seen much worse as far as players trying to force themselves out of a situation. Cough, cough, Le'Veon Bell. Now, Leonard Fournette will forever be a legend for his tweet this offseason after the Jags had gotten rid of, like, the sixth or seventh player uh, that was a, a key member of that AFC championship team. And it, he just photoshopped his head on Will Smith's body staring at the empty room from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I will forever love Leonard Fournette for that. But coming up next, we are joined by Taylor Jenkins of Pewter Report to continue our catch-up series this week from all realms of Buccaneers media. But first, of course, we have to give a shout-out to our good friends over at Built Bar. That's right. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, and the improved Built Bar is even deliciouser than the last one. It comes in 18 amazing flavors, 12 original flavors. You know David and I loved that banana bread and the peanut butter brownie. I think David was a big fan of the German chocolate. I don't like coconut, so I didn't eat that one, but I did really enjoy the salted caramel. But now there's six new flavors including a caramel brownie, lemon almond cheesecake, cherry barcia, carrot cake, apple almond crisp, and the ever-popular cookies and cream. That cookies and cream bar, 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs. Look, Built Bars are perfect for the health-conscious person, you can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and they are great for anyone on the keto diet. Right now, you can get a free cooler with the purchase of Built Bars while supplies last. All you have to do is go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code Locked On, and you will receive $10 off your next order. Not your first order. No, 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 no. For those of you that took advantage the first time and we gave you $10 off your first order, guess what? You can use the promo code again and get $10 off your next order. Again, use promo code locked on for $10 off at builtbar.com. Back here on the Locked On Bucks podcast, as promised, guys, continuing our catch up series this week on the Locked On Bucks podcast. And we're joined today catching up with Taylor the Grizz Jenkins from PewterReport.com, one of our favorite Buccaneers beat writers. And Taylor, going back to, I mean, we met uh, last year in training camp. Wish we could meet up again this year in training camp. Uh, but I don't know, man. Like, Maybe maybe it's just me, but I think we hit it off pretty well. <laughs> Had a pretty good week there uh, down in Florida. And look, look, or we've been enjoying, rather, all your guys' coverage there at training camp as we cannot be there. You guys, fortunately, can be. Uh, not every day, right? You guys are kind of splitting days. Is that right? Um, most of us are making most days. Um, there was a lot of uh, hype kind of the first week, week and a half, two weeks. So Matt and I, being Tier 3 members, we weren't cleared until about – a week and a half, two weeks in, but Mark and uh, Scott were able to make most of them. So we've at least had a presence pretty much every day. Um, so that's been good. It's definitely different than previous training camps. Like it's really just, I mean, the feel of it's so different, not having fans there and having, you know, a bunch of media members and being able to go wherever you want. You're kind of stuck in one area 
either behind an end zone or on one sideline. So the guys in the far field, you can't really see if they're practicing on the other end zone. It's tough to see. So it's definitely a different feel. I mean, obviously, we're going through a very unique year, but it's definitely been different than past training camps, but can't complain being there. I mean, can't complain any any football and any coverage we can get that has some semblance of normalcy is good enough for me right now at this point. Absolutely, absolutely. And of course, uh, for any of our listeners who don't already, I don't know uh, where you've been, but uh, as always, go ahead and check out, go go over to pewterreport.com, check out everything that Taylor and all of those guys are doing. Always great stuff coming out of there. Taylor, the first question we're going to launch into here, I just got to ask you, what is more annoying, walking with a rock in your shoe or wearing a mask with a full-fledged beard on your face? So I've gotten to the point now where I don't think the mask is as annoying. It's like when you put it on, you, you notice it, but I kind of forget about it after a while. And really when I kind of remember that it's annoying is when I take it off and I can feel my face is just humid yeah. from just breathing into a mask the whole time. But I absolutely can't stand wet socks, cannot stand rocks in my shoe, cannot stand having that feeling of something in your shoe, but you're not sure what it is and you can't shake it out. So I would say the mask is not optimal, but the rock in the shoe is definitely worse. Wet socks are absolutely terrible. That never even crossed my mind. And, oh, I'm with you, Taylor. I'm with you 100%. Step into that puddle, I mean, which is very common here in Florida, mm-hmm. and, you have, and you get that one wet sock. I, I mean, that's a creation straight from the devil himself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so some insight. If you ever need to torture some information out of Taylor Jenkins, wet socks is, is the way to go. Socks. Uh, but, Taylor, my first real question so obviously the entire offseason right, has been talking about the addition of Tom Brady at quarterback, uh, the switch from a guy like Jameis Winston to Tom Brady. But there's also been a pretty another drastic uh, change uh, on the offense, which is a little bit lesser talked about, I think, because we're all familiar with Rojo. But going from Peyton Barber as your RB1 as he was entering last season to Rojo entering as your RB1 this season is a pretty different contract. There's a, there's a pretty big contrast in running backs there between the two. So my question really for you, being on ground there, does the offense look all that much different from last year's in, in your observations? Granted, no preseason games, no joint practices. So from whatever you can glean from what you've been able to see, does it actually look all that different? And if it does, which of those new starters, this new starter quarterback, the new starter running back, do you think is actually making it look the most different? It doesn't in the limited amount we're able to see just from training camp. It doesn't look a ton different. I think the execution's obviously going to be different. I think that um, – the run game, I don't think will change a whole lot from a scheme standpoint. I do think it will be more productive. We've seen guys talk about Alex Kappa making a huge improvement at right guard. If anybody listened to the press conferences today, Nacho said when he was asked about the offensive line and who he's seen the most improvement from, um, he's, he immediately said um, Alex Kappa. I think Alex Kappa's made a really nice transition just in his body in, coming into this year. Um, I think Tristan Wirfs is going to help that, even as a rookie with no preseason games. I think that's going to be an improvement over an unfortunately old winning DeMar Dotson. So I think while the run game will be more productive, I'm not sure from a scheme standpoint it'll be too much different. But I think that Tom Brady just having his hands on this offense, and and again, it's Bruce Arians' offense. You're going to still have downfield passes. You're going to still have a vertical offense. But I don't think he's going to necessarily be as urged to take those risks as Jameis Winston was, um, because you've got a guy who's been in the league for 20 years. You've got a guy who's been there, who's done that. He's never seen a defense that a defense could throw at him today. So I think it's going to look look 
different more so because of Tom Brady's decision making and where he chooses to go with the ball and those little things I think I talked about the last time on you you guys podcast about his decisions on third and short his decisions when they go forward on fourth down things like that short yardage plays and I think those are the things that are going to make the biggest difference if we're talking about Rojo or uh, Tom Brady another focus of Buccaneers fandom uh not just this offseason but kind of the past few years is the offensive line. And I, I personally, and I think David agrees with me, they've kind of been unfairly criticized the past couple of years. They're better than a lot of people want to give them credit for, but they're still not great. They're still not elite. Um, you would have a hard time, in my opinion, arguing that they're top 10 heading into this season. But you, you brought up Alex Kappa, who's entering his second year as a starter now and kind of his emergence. I thought he looked really good last year. You have a rookie at right tackle. You have a center now trying to get that chemistry with a new quarterback, which we all know is a, is a easily overlooked facet of the game is that quarterback center chemistry and the, the exchange on the snap that can go awry very quickly. But overall, when you take a look at the way this offensive line has worked in an abbreviated offseason, would you say that they're pretty much looking similar to the way they were last year? Are they an improved unit, or have they even looked a little bit worse than they looked in 2019 just because of the huge change at right tackle with the addition of Tristan Wirfs and the abbreviated offseason, not getting those OTAs, not getting the rookie minicamp, not getting preseason action? I mean, when you look at, at the at the Bucks' offensive line, where are their real strong points? You're going to see Ali Marpet, who I think is perennially a guy that's Pro Bowl caliber. He's one of the best guards in the league. So that's going to be your strongest point. Um, Ryan Jensen was at, was made a huge jump last year um, coming from his first year with the Bucks. If you look at things like Pro Football Focus, he made a huge jump, and I think it was, it was visibly noticeable on the field. So that interior right there is where your strength is. I think, just like you said with the offensive line as a whole, I think Donovan Smith gets a lot less credit than he deserves, and he's improved year by year. Every year he gets better, and I can't really see that stopping this season. Um, as far as the right side of the line, that's going to be your biggest question mark. I think if Alex Kappa can make the improvements that he's presumably made based on the words we've seen from the uh, other Bucks players alongside him, I think that's a huge help because that has been the Bucks' weak link from Caleb Beninok to Alex Kappa, who couldn't even get playing time over Caleb Beninok. And we know he was just a swinging door at right guard, transitioning from tackle out of college, and it just never really worked out there. Tristan Wirfs, I think even with the abbreviated offseason, he's going to wind up being better than DeMar Dotson was last year for the Bucks. So I really don't see, while I do agree that I don't think they're going to be a top five offensive line. I, I think top 10 is even a stretch. I agree that I don't think they get the credit they deserve. And I think that they're going to overperform what a lot of people think. I think that their biggest points are Alex Kappa and Tristan Wirfs. And once Tristan Wirfs gets a hang of it and he gets up to the speed of the NFL, he is going against some extremely pa talented pass rushers on the schedule. But I think once he gets up to the speed of the game, he's going to be an improvement over dot. And I think that if, but can take a step, you're only as good as your weakest link. And if he can take that step, it can help them out tremendously. Yeah, and then Taylor, of course, another way that people gauge the success of an NFL offensive line is the production of the running back group, and that certainly hasn't helped uh, the, the, uh, the perception of the Buccaneers offensive line in recent years with their running backs, you know, not hitting 1,000 yards, 
Uh, people have talked about Ronald Jones and how, how often he gets hit in the backfield before he even has a chance to make anything happen. Uh, then, of course, on Monday, the news breaking that the Jacksonville Jaguars are waving um, linebacker, running back Leonard Fournette, uh, a guy who going back to college, you know I mean, very productive, uh, but was really known for winning more with his physicality and his athleticism, just kind of his natural given, uh, God-given talents, uh, you know, increased by work, of course. But then making it to the NFL, I mean, he's had some pretty impressive, you know, seasons. You know, James James kind of chronicled those earlier in today's episode that he hasn't. He has actually had some pretty good production at points in his career, but just kind of hasn't taken off, especially when you compare him to a guy like Christian McCaffrey, which is a little bit of an unfair character or a comparison because they're just completely different types of backs. Uh, Bruce Arians asked today or on Monday about the idea of maybe putting in a claim for Leonard Fournette. Didn't completely dismiss it. Uh, which, you know, if, if Bruce isn't dismissing something, of course, you, we're all going to sit here and think, well, maybe it is a possibility. Uh, given the fact that this offensive line, granted, might be improved, but is kind of known for getting their running backs hit behind the line of scrimmage. Leonard Fournette, not really a guy that is, has been known for making people miss. Maybe he's a little bit more agile than I give him credit for, uh, but not being known for that in that vein. Do you think that there is a place on this roster for a guy like Leonard Fournette? Can the Buccaneers make it work? Would you even do it if you were advising Jason Light and Bruce Arians? Would you recommend they do put in a claim for him, or would you hold back? When you look at really how Harold Goodwin and, um, and Bruce Arians like to look at the run game, I think that there would be hypothetically a spot for him on this lineup. When, when Bruce Arians came in last year, one of the biggest things he said was he looked at Peyton Barber like the thunder when he looked at Ronald Jones like the lightning, and he thought that was a good combination. you got your early down guy, you got your later down guy. See how you mix them up. So I do think that with Harold Goodwin's kind of mantra of three, four yards every carry, keep the chains moving, that's what you've got to do to have a productive run game. I think there is a spot for him. But the problem is... You've got Ronald Jones. You just signed LaShawn McCoy. You've got Dari Ogunbowale, uh, sorry, uh, who's probably the best uh, pass blocking back, which we know that the importance that carries with Bruce Arians. He benched Ronald Jones in a game last year because he missed a blitz pickup and didn't play him for the rest of the game. After the game, he said, if you can't pick up blitzes and you allow your quarterback to get hit, you cannot play on this football team. So I think that that, along with special teams, is where Dari gets a lot of his value. Uh, for sticking on this team. And then that leaves Keyshawn Vaughn kind of as the odd man out if you were to sign Leonard Fournette. And it would really be a knock on Jason Light. He's had a few of them. And don't get me wrong. I think Jason Light is far better than he gets credit for. He's had some high-profile misses. But I think one of the biggest things that he does is he's able to own up to those mistakes, cut a kicker that he traded up in the second four the following offseason. He's not afraid to cut his losses. But man, is it a bad look if you bring in Keyshawn Vaughn, draft him in the third round, and then you have to cut him. In addition to that, I don't really know the Bucks have the cap space. But again, Bruce Arians didn't dismiss it. He said, well, wait and see. He's been a good back, so we'll just have to wait and see on that. And as long as Bruce is noncommittal like that, I think anything's possible. I didn't think they were going to get Tom Brady. I didn't think they were going to get Robert Gronkowski. I didn't think that LaShawn McCoy was even a possibility until I was sitting in a restaurant waiting for my food and had to run to my car and grab my backpack and write something up when they signed him. So really, I think anything's possible, but I just think with the way their running back room is built right now, what they would have to lose by signing them and with the available cap space, I just really don't see it being worth what you would really have to do to make the money work and who you would have to cut to make that happen. But I do think hypothetically, if he came, there's a fit for him in this running back room. 
Taylor, we had one of our loyal listeners, uh, Greco Suave on Twitter. Uh, he, uh, he sent a tweet to the Locked On Bucks account, and I will read this to you word for word, uh, and we'll see if you have any idea what, what he's referencing. Okay. But it says, at Locked On Bucks, hashtag Brady, thumb injury with a question mark, hashtag Buccaneers, hashtag Bucks, hashtag NFL. Now, do you know what thumb injury of Tom Brady's Greco was referring to? I didn't get to read that article. If you guys could catch me up on that. I read, uh, I read the, the little snippet about um, when he had the injury was when he was with the Patriots and he had his trainer cut the sutures so that they weren't rubbing the, uh, the bandaging when he threw the ball. Apparently, and David, you might want to jump in and explain this because you, you know it a little bit better than I do, but basically Brady's thumb got hyperextended to the point that the skin split open and you could see all the way down to the bone. Do I have that right, David? Yeah, so apparently, I mean, from from what I've been able to read and gather, it came out in a book uh, that, that recently came out. And essentially, uh, a couple of days or a few days before the New England Patriots went in, went in against the Jacksonville Jaguars in the AFC Championship game that year, uh, Rex Burkhead, if, if I have it right, ran into Tom during a play in practice, and the ball jammed back into Tom's hand so hard that it hyperextended his thumb to the point where that skin ripped. And again, like, like you said, went all the way down to uh, the bone and the tendons. So they had to stitch him up, put 12 stitches in there, wrap it up as best they could. And just kind of the, the, the incredibly kind of traumatic, you know, injury to happen to a quarterback's hand shortly before an AFC championship game. And then he goes out and completes something like 26 of like 32 passes for 200 plus yards, two touchdowns, and the New England Patriots go to the Super Bowl. So just kind of a testament really to just kind of the toughness determination of Tom Brady. I think a lot of people, you know, kind of have this look of Tom Brady. He's a, he's a cerebral guy, doesn't win with athleticism and then he's got, you know, the supermodel wife and he's kind of a model himself and he's got the smile with the, with the bling teeth. You know what I mean? So I think people kind of take that as a little bit, you know, take that a little bit for granted. Maybe not wouldn't put him in kind of the categories of one of the toughest quarterbacks in the league. But I think that story alone, I mean, I just think about getting my thumb hyperextended enough to where it would rip skin and muscle and like, Oh, that's, that's brutal. I don't even know if I'd want to get up out of bed the next morning. Let alone, let alone go play a full contact game of football. Yeah, I'm reading about it here. I mean, hyperextending it, skin to the base of the thumb split open, blood gushing. Yeah, and then I read that extension, like I said, where he was practicing and he's like, oh, I don't like how the sutures are feeling against the wrapping on the hand and it's touching the ball. So he went into his trainer and had him, I mean, cut like a millimeter off of the sutures and then redress his hand. I mean, he's a competitor. I mean, that's what he is. And I think that's one thing that makes quarterbacks great at this level, they, they, they do anything to win and they're willing to will themselves to win. And I, I mean, we even saw that with Jameis Winston last year when he had the injury to his hand and the, and the hurt meniscus. But I mean, for, you can't tell me that Tom Brady throughout his career, obviously missing it with the uh, knee injury back when, what was it? Matt Castle came in and played for him that season. Yeah. He really hasn't missed much time, but you can't tell me that he hasn't been banged up, but that is just, I mean, absolutely a brutal story to look at and think about. I mean, I can't even imagine going to the store through that, let alone playing in a football game against the defense that, what was that? No, that was the Eagles Super Bowl, wasn't it, in 2017? Yes. I mean, and then, yeah, he went out and had an insane game, a high-scoring yeah. game. <laughs> so, I mean, my God, I can't imagine going through something like an NFL game with that, let alone being a quarterback and you're throwing it. Is it confirmed Tom Brady is Wolverine? He may be. Okay. Excellent. Maybe. Cannot confirm it now, but I also cannot deny it. 
Wrapping things up here on a Tuesday edition of the Locked On Bucks podcast. We are joined by Taylor Jenkins of Pewter Report, and it is time to enter the rapid fire segment of this episode. Now, Taylor, we are asking all of our guests this week the exact same rapid fire questions about the Buccaneers. Yesterday, for those of you that didn't hear it, we had Carmen Vitale on. Please go back and listen to that because Carmen is always an absolute joy on this show. But we're basically going to kind of get a feel for each of our guests' opinions on the exact same things as we try to break things up here. So we have three rapid-fire questions. One's a three-parter, so essentially five questions. I'm so excited for this. I love these, and I just pray I don't say something stupid but I love games like this. (laughs) Nothing that you say can be held against you on this show. Unlike my record prediction that David forced me into, you can read about it on bucksnation.com. But David, I'll hold hold you to that. I can't, I can't, nothing can be held against me. Absolutely. I'll hold you to that. All right. So David, I will let you introduce the, uh, the first rapid fire question here. All right, Taylor. So the question is going to be, who is your Buccaneers 2020 hidden hero? However, there is some, there is a, there is a criteria to this. So when we talk about hidden heroes, right? The Buccaneers uh, have a very popular team, you know, all of a sudden kind of out of nowhere. But for for years, really, they've had some very talented players. And of course, you have your Tom Brady, your Mike Evans, Chris Godwins. But what we want to know from our guests this week is who is the guy that is maybe lesser known or lesser accomplished? So some of these guys might be well known, but they're lesser accomplished in their careers. That could be that could turn out to be kind of the key catalyst to the Buccaneers reaching their maximum success in 2020. So eliminating certain players like guys who are surefire future Hall of Famers, guys who have are consistent all pros, consistent pro bowlers, NFL top 100 list members. So that eliminates a few guys like Chris Godwins uh, of the world, like the Levante Davids of the world. Um, a guy like Indomitian Sue, Jason Pierre-Paul, I think maybe they're still on the board because they have a little bit of a history, but recent times they haven't really been the all pro caliber player they once were or pro bowlers necessarily. Definitely not NFL top 100 guys. Um, However, the, the other catch to that, so you have a little bit of a benefit because you're coming on our Tuesday episode, but the other catch as we go down the line is that you can't pick a player that's already been picked. So that's going to start okay. to thin the herd a little bit. So when you take out the pro bowlers, you take about your all pro guys, you take out your NFL top 100 guys, and then you take out Carmen's pick, which was linebacker Devin White, who is your 2020 candidate? Because at the end of the week, we're going to let our Bucks Nation, our Locked On Bucks audience vote for the real 2020 hero. Who is your candidate for the 2020 Bucks hidden hero? I'm not sure this really fits the category as like the game changer, but I think Cam Brate. I think Cam Brate's a guy that's sailed under the radar. He's not going to be a, a a starter every week. I mean, I think he gets completely overlooked now that you look at uh, Rob Gronkowski and and OJ Howard with all that athleticism, and obviously Gronk's a Hall of Fame resume. You've got Chris Godwin, you've got Mike Evans, you've got Scotty Miller making plays out there, you've got Tyler Johnson, who may very well, despite being injured, make the roster. You've got all these guys that are so high-powered on offense, but I think what Cam Brate brings that's so valuable, and he's going to produce a lot more than people think, is I tweeted the other day, I said, when people would ask Cam Brate, I mean, he was an undrafted guy out of Harvard, and he was one of the you know leading scoring tight ends over a three or four year period with Jameis Winston. And every time you would ask Jameis Winston why that was, it was his chemistry with him and it was his trust with him. When he's down in the red zone, Cam Brady isn't catching 150 yards every week like OJ Howard is capable, like Rob Gronkowski is capable, but he has so much production in the red zone because Jameis Winston would say it's trust. When I, when he, I, if it's play action, 
if it's dropping back a three-step drop. He knew where Cam Brate was going to be. I think Cam Brate is dependable hands. I think he's a smart player, and I think he's someone that really gets overlooked, and he's not going to get 75 catches. He's not going to have 750 yards, but I think he's a guy that could come out of the season with five, seven really important touchdowns, and he isn't getting looked like a guy that will do that right now. That's that's an awesome answer, Taylor. I mean, if you don't know why we have Taylor Jenkins from PeterReport.com on this show, that right there is a, is a clear demonstration of why we do. Not a name Appreciate I expected that, to especially on the second day, but brother, you, you nailed exactly why he could be. And it just ha- so happens to perfectly set up our second question. That's right. It's the three-parter of the, uh, of the rapid fire here. Taylor, what Buccaneers tight end is going to lead the team in snaps? Uh, O.J. Howard. What Buccaneer tight end is going to lead the team in receptions? Rob Gronkowski. And what Buccaneer tight end is going to lead the team in touchdowns? Rob Gronkowski. All right. And finally, what's your win-loss win prediction? Oh, man. it's the, the hardest thing about this question for me is just imagining the Bucks winning a lot if I'm being honest, because it's been so long since they've done. (laughs) But like I told you guys, we were talking a little bit before the podcast started. Don't do the podcast for the podcast and all that. But I don't see, I don't see why 12 and four is really out of the realm of possibility. I think if, if they really come out, I think the shortened off season hurts a little bit, but it's hurting every team. So I don't see why 11 and five and or 12 and four is not completely, completely reasonable. Hey, I like it. It's right in between mine and David's because I'm stuck with that 13 and three prediction. And David's just a hater who picked him to go 11 and five. So I, I like yours. I like. I mean, I when like you look at the roster, I don't see any reason why they shouldn't go 11 and five, 12 and four. But games obviously aren't played on paper. And just knowing Buck's going to buck, they could <laughs> easily drop a few games and wind up nine and seven, eight and eight. And I know Bucks fans. That's like their absolute nightmare scenario for this season when they have all this. I mean, you get Bruce Arians, you get Tom Brady, you get Rob Gronkowski, you 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 get this highly improved defense last year and this star-studded offense. But man, that's just what Tampa Bay does sometimes is lose all the time. But I looking at them on paper, I see no reason why they can't win at least 11 games. Uh, Buck's going to buck has to be the quote of the episode. Um, <laughs> honestly, I'm a little bit surprised that Buccaneers fans still have the ability to get hyped before a season left in them after what they've been through, uh, especially over like those, just the last handful of seasons, let alone the last decade plus. Um, but I think if this team doesn't deliver at least a playoff berth, Buccaneers fan base will never get hyped for a season again. Oh yeah. I mean, I thought, I don't know how the hype really carried through. I mean, you had the, what the nine and seven season and everybody thought that was, you know, turning the corner and then you had hard knocks and then you had, just 5-11, and 5-11, and 11. and then Bruce Arians came, and I kind of got that. You know, it's exciting, and a new coach who's been there, he's done that. He's got a Super Bowl ring as an assistant coach and two Coach of the Year awards, and then you disappoint with a 7-9 and nine record. But now you got Tom Brady, and I completely agree. If it's, if, if it's not Bruce Arians, if it's not Tom Brady, I don't know at, at what point they just can't get excited anymore if this team doesn't go out and win. Well, I mean, the city of Tampa Bay, you got the Lightning – who are looking great in the bubble playoffs. You got the Rays in first place. I the Buccaneers have to hold up their end of the deal here. They it's, have to. It's on them. I mean, you could you could be looking at the new city of champions if things continue on this trajectory and uh, the Bucs can't be the one to to let the city down. 
Yeah, and what you've seen for, I mean, a few years now is the Lightning. They've had this incredible roster for like seven years now, and they've been to one Stanley Cup Finals, and they mm-hmm. lost that. So it's really, they kind of get to the playoffs, and they wilt. And the Rays, they win 90 games more often than they don't since 2010, but they get to the first round, and they get bounced. So can the Bucks be the ones to get over that hill and bring a trophy back to Tampa? Can all three of them go out there and just make a deep playoff run? I know that the, the residents of Tampa, the ones that, aren't transplants who still rep their their hometown teams uh, would hope for it. But it's a really exciting time, I think, to be a Tampa Bay fan. And there aren't really many years in their history that you can say that for multiple teams. All right. Well, Taylor, we certainly appreciate some of your time tonight. Where can all of the fine folks out there find everything that you are doing, whether it be in written form or social media form? Absolutely. So you can check out all of my work on pewterreport.com. You can follow me uh, on Twitter at tjenkinstampa. And make sure you head over and follow us if you aren't already at pewterreport on Twitter. And you can see all of our stuff from me, Mark, Scott, John, Matt. I mean, we're, we're there at training camp and we're really excited to get a whole bunch of content. I know it's a little different this year with COVID and the limitations and all that. But I mean, we're over there busting our butts to scrape out anything we can and the best content we can for you guys. So at T Jenkins Tampa, at Pewter Report on Twitter, pewterreport.com. Make sure to go and check us out, and we appreciate it, absolutely. All right, yeah, definitely go over there and support Pewter Report, all of them friends of the show. We appreciate everything that they are doing. Check out everything David and I are doing over at BucksNation.com. Follow along on Twitter, at LockedOnBucks, at JayArco underscore Bucks, at DHarrison82, and at Bucks underscore nation hope you all have an absolutely outstanding day stay safe stay healthy wash your hands be good to each other and we thank you so much for joining us right here 